and welcome to what is sure to be another loquacious episode of S-C-E-N-E-P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S Scene Partners, the only podcast for Chris. <laughs> I love that you uh, personally you, endorsed by Chris McDowell. You, you abandoned the Oscar <laughs> Mayer wiener. I was doing Mickey Mouse Club. M-I-C-K. Oh my gosh. M I C K E Y M O U S E Mickey Mouse. M I C K E Y. You were doing the uh, O S C A R. No. Oh, no. Supercalifragilistic. You... That's what you were doing. S U P E R. Is that what I was doing? Yeah. How can, how can I be doing something and thinking that I'm doing something completely different? Freudian slip. In my mind, I'm doing Mickey Mouse Club and I'm. And what's coming out of my mouth is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> yeah, which is surprising. I didn't think you uh, you were too big into the musicals. Yeah, you wouldn't think that. So how are you? Are you prepared for this? Uh, full disclosure, we're recording before a hurricane again this year. Yeah, we are. It's You know, we did this not too long ago. It seems like I remember us recording for the ice storm or we were going to record no i we couldn't record because you couldn't be here yeah and then i had to like go outside and try to figure out a way because i had gotten like a free internet thing for my truck Mm -hmm. and i had to go out there and try to figure out how to upload the podcast from my computer using the truck internet because we had no other oh it was just it was (laughs) and it was just like you know five minutes of an episode i don't even know if it was that long and it took three hours. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine loading up the, the full 40 to 50-minute? Oh, my 50 gosh. Minute? It, would, it wouldn't have happened, and then it would have been heartbreaking. Yeah, here we are. We're, we literally, right now, the hurricane has hit Louisiana, but yes. it is further south, so it hasn't hit us yet. And we're hiding in the scene partner's cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's uh, what we should ever call this ever again. The, the SPC? yeah no but i mean i you know it's just one of those things where it at at this point it just feels like you're getting the one-two punch like constantly Mm -hmm. i I don't really understand it or know why this just continues to happen but it does seem like i and i was thinking about this while i was well we were actually outside working yesterday building and putting away the set because we've been doing the set at, at the house and and so we had to move every single thing that we've been working on because of the hurricane. And while we were doing that, I was thinking of, and I don't think that I was actually saying this out loud because we had gotten to the point of working outside where it was so terrible that I don't, I don't even remember talking to you anymore. <laughs> so I don't, I'm sorry if I just wasn't speaking. It was like, we must move forward. Oh, yeah. you know, just like moving things and sweating. But I was thinking, you know, since we started, I've I've never done a show. You know, we've been doing To Kill a Mockingbird now for a year, nineteen months, more than yeah, more than a year. Yeah, um, and I've never stuck with one thing for that long, and had this long to think about one thing, and had to like <laughs> do something like to where we have to try to make it work, and then there's always a new thing that is gonna make it change and make yeah. it not work, and then you gotta like pivot and try to do this other thing and and then oh hey by the way there's a hurricane <laughs> here's the last hurdle it's like we have one more we have literally like well let's see when this airs we'll be like a, a 
a exactly week, one week, a week yeah. away from opening, and we have a hurricane. And the person who is brilliantly playing Tom Robinson is in the military and has been called out and has no idea when he's going to come back because <laughs> he can't tell us if the hurricane is going to be bad. So I'm hopefully while I'm listening to this or while this airs, I'm sitting comfortably in the knowledge that Tom Robinson is back in Alexandria, Louisiana and ready to do the show and that the hurricane wasn't that bad. That's hopefully. my hope. Yes. Um, I just, oh gosh, anyway, but I, I could get weighed down in that very easily. Um, you know, you've, you've had kind of a, kind of a little bit of a negative outlook the last couple of, it's been a little hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been, it's been really (laughs) difficult. Like trying to navigate because you don't want to be the person that's constantly like, Oh God, this is so hard. Yeah. You don't want to be that person. And I feel like I've been that person for a little bit. And it's definitely the last three weeks has been really hard. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, like I wrote down on the board that we have to be okay with change. I feel like I'm really good with with dealing with change and like something happening and then just being like, it's cool. We're going to make it work. No big deal. <laughs> and then just moving on. But I feel like this has been a true test in my ability to ex- accept change and then I think on the Use inside, whatever you're probably it is, like those screaming goats. I mean, yeah, the, it has been a very long time, and maybe if ever that, and it feels like this has been happening quite a lot lately. And I don't want anybody to be worried about me or my mental health. Like I'm okay, but I feel like <laughs> since That's what the, they all say, I, I'm fine. Um, since like the start of school this year, so since like full time job re- has has started again, and then we're doing the show and every all the things that have just been happening. Every time I get in my car, it's like my body relaxes and I immediately feel like I could just like if I if I just sat there for too long, I would immediately start crying. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what in the world is this? Is this just what being an adult is? Like the minute that no one is around constantly fighting anxiety. (laughs) Your emotions are like, I'm going to come out now. You're like, no, you're not. No, you're not. I can't deal with it. It's you. all those healthy coping mechanisms that you built in the early 20s. That's what it is. That's that's exactly what it is. Like shoving that away mm-hmm. and then just moving forward. Uh, but it it has been so much. That's what I was thinking in the yard while we were working and I wasn't talking to you. Was It's just been a lot of things continuing to happen. I mean, if we wrote down everything that has happened along the course of just trying to produce this show and now we are so <laughs> yes close we are so close to to you know actually having an audience and being able to perform the show and you know i just am in a i'm in a a, a fit of hope <laughs> yeah that well, we're gonna be able to do seeing it. the light at the end of the tunnel or you know seeing the finish line right up ahead you've got one last you know curve to go around in the relay here that has been um, to kill a mockingbird. <laughs> yes. It is like we have been approaching a curve at 90 miles an hour. We just never quite get there. It's like a Monty Python sketch. Like yeah. the person is just running and running and running and running <laughs> yes. and running. And then all of a sudden I feel like I'm hopeful that when we get to the curve that it's not a sharp one. <laughs> yeah. That we don't just go flying off into the woods. Like that's the that's the fear. But what a, what a great little metaphor. I love it. 
but I do I do think it's super cool and I know it's going to feel really great whenever we actually get to do this show because of the extreme journey that this show has been. Mm-hmm. Especially since, you know, it feels like we're doing this show not really not really for us. You know, I, maybe that's that's one of the big deals is that it's it's not like this isn't a show that we're doing because we want anything out of it. You know, it's not like I, I chose this show because I was like, oh, gosh, you know what? I really want to like this is going to be the thing. Yeah. It's that. No, this will I put think, me on the map. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said from <laughs> behind your gas station <laughs> counter, this will put me on the map right here. Don't worry. <laughs> going to be famous. <laughs> I think it's just. I, when we get to the when we get to the end, it's just going to feel really, really awesome. Yeah, well, and it feels really awesome now because we we actually had the privilege to go uh, stand on the the new stage where we're going to be presenting the show at this point um, at Coughlin Saunders and at it's the a big presidium. House. Yeah, instead of a uh, a black box theater, and it was standing on that stage, and it's the first time I've stood on that stage in forever, over mm-hmm. probably almost two years now, and it was like I just felt it. I felt the excitement. Yeah. I felt the energy, and, and I was like, "Oh, here we go!" Well, I think I'm so ready. Just like all of the all of the ingredients are there mm-hmm. to have something that's truly awesome, and it's like, man, if we just if we just do it right, or like I, I don't know, maybe it's not a matter of doing it right because there's there's always just you know the show right now is awesome. It's a beautiful show. Everybody in it is doing such a great job. It deserves to be seen, and. I, I just think that if people, you know, that, that that's the fear now. Like, okay, so now people won't, what if people don't show up? Yeah. Which is just a fear when you produce theater Always. ever. Like, I've never understood people who are like, oh, you got to do this show. This is the show. Like, you'll make so much money if you do this show. It's like, no, you cannot guarantee that I'm going to make anything. Yeah. Because that's not the business that we are in. There are zero guarantees, depending on when you put your show, what weekend, anything like that. Yeah, what it's up against. What it's up against or who's, you know, just like society is not going to go out. You know, we had auditions this last weekend for a show and there's a hurricane coming and people are getting ready. And it's like, well, we're going to have to probably reschedule some auditions because we know that people aren't going to show up. You know, it's and it's just one of those things. We might have had this scheduled forever, but it just things happen and you have to change. Yeah. I think with this in particular, with. To kill a mockingbird, though, I think it's going to be one of those things. When we get to the end of it, it's going to be like the the end of this journey. Like all of that pain is justified mm-hmm. because we were able to tell this journey, this story, yeah, at this present time uh, in in the state of the world uh, at, at large, and we're all looking for hope. Mm-hmm. I think at this point too, and I think that that is what's going to be so magical about it. I do think it's interesting as far as this story, like. With To Kill a Mockingbird, if you think that the, like, I I find the story to be hopeful, but you kind of have to mine for the hope because it's not where you think it's going to be. Yes. Um, because the, the the story isn't, it's not like they wrap a pretty little bow at the end of the trial. No, on no, 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 no. I think it's, it's, off. There's it's the hope of hope building something way. better, building a better society. Yeah. And I think that that's really the... the the point of the story is that, you know, learn from the past, learn from these these mm-hmm. mistakes. And kind of like I said that last time, like, what happens when the show is no longer relevant? That would be amazing. Well, yeah. And and I think that that is... Well, and I think there are people that are saying that it's not relevant now. Mm, 
Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, but that's it's true though. People are people will watch this and they'll think this isn't a story that needs to be told. Like this isn't something that we're still going through and experiencing because they're not experiencing it. Yeah. Okay. And that's they fair. don't have friends or know people that go through this type of things. And it's it's that is a huge issue I think in in society where you can be so far removed from other people's experience that you don't even have empathy towards the possibility of it. Yes. You know, um, but there is so much hope in the story. It's just not where you think it's going to be. And that's what I like about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when we get through shooting the dog without laughing, <laughs> oh my that's, gosh. that's hope. <laughs> <sighs> if there was have one hope. thing I wish we could cut... <laughs> Just would all be together. Tom Johnson, the only dog. Tim Johnson. Tim, Tim Johnson. <laughs> Tim Johnson, the only dog. I thought you were about to say, there's one thing we could cut. It's Tom Robinson. Tom it was like, Robinson. what's the point of the story? Oh, God, no. You <laughs> can't do that. It's just going to be, we're gonna, the show will open with a four page monologue of, from Atticus Finch and then close. <laughs> With, Love it. With a scout in a ham costume with a knife stuck in the fiberglass. <laughs> What'd you guys do? Nothing. We literally, like, we could only afford 30 minutes in the theater. So we, <laughs> we had to do what we could do. Oh, I love that. Have you ever had something like, or seen anything that like that? Because I've heard stories of people... Um, being in shows and they will uh, somehow someone on stage will say like something that is to the end of the show and a, an hour and a half show now becomes a 45 minute becomes show a 45 minute show there's no way there's to backtrack no way to from what get they said. out of it yeah I know that there's a, there's from. like did I say from? I said from. oh good from what well obviously said. I'm doing things I don't know that I'm doing <laughs> I'm over here basically you know singing the entire cast album from singing in the rain S-C-E-N-E. and I have no idea um yeah, I, there's a famous story about Mickey Rourke where he um, he was a really gross actor. And um, Mickey Rourke? Mickey Rooney? Mickey Rooney. Who's the base? Is that a baseball player? Who am I talking about? Mickey Rourke is the uh, the, the wrestler guy. Not him. Okay, Mickey Rooney is the <laughs> Mickey comedian. Rooney is the actor. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Mickey okay. Rooney. What in the world? <laughs> You okay today? <laughs> no, I'm not okay. You're thinking of Mickey Mantle, the baseball player. I'm just over here crying. That was three and Mickeys. you're stuck on Mickey Mouse Mickey from Mouse. the very beginning. <laughs> Five Mickeys. <laughs> How many Mickeys? Well, anyway, he was real fine. Um, <laughs> so, so there's a story that, that Mickey like Rooney... like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride right now. It's really insane. Mickey Rooney's on stage, and uh, he was kind of famous while acting on stage to like drop bombs and I'm not talking about the truth bombs I'm talking about like it's the stinkers crop dusting he would crop dust and he would you know try to anticipate where people's blocking was I mean lord knows what was going on with his stomach because he was so you know <laughs> like a fu- like a well-oiled machine yeah and it was this girl's first show and she was the she was the understudy who took over the role for this girl and Mickey Rooney goes out there and he's going to just crop dust this girl and he he boobs his pants. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought I was gonna make it through that. So he he crabs his pants and the phone starts to ring and he's supposed to answer the phone. And basically in the this is the first five minutes of the show, and he's supposed to say in the first like 
he's supposed to say now, like the plot of the play, like the thing that is going to happen happens on this phone call that pushes the story into, you know, whatever is going to happen. And he's, he looks at the girl and he says, that's for you. Walks off stage, goes to his dressing room and takes a shower. <laughs> <laughs> and so this poor girl That's the worst thing So this poor girl just like Picks up the phone and is like ah, Hello <laughs> And she's trying to remember Everything that she needs to say Oh my god And no awful. one can find him anywhere Stage managers are running all over the place Looking for him He was in the shower He's like of course I was in the shower I crapped my pants <laughs> I love it I love it and meanwhile, there's an audience out there that's like paid, like, oh my God. If you're listening and you were in that particular performance, please write and let us know. Please write and tell us <laughs> what the play was, because I don't know that. But I have heard this story so many times. At info at playontheater.com. <laughs> we need to know. Playontheatercompany.com. Play on Theater Company, yeah. Um, play on Theater was taken. <laughs> so Play on Theater Company was born. So I needed to, uh, I wanted to talk about the fact that we've had to be so okay with, with change, but I was kind of thinking, like, when is it okay to not be okay with change? You know, when are like moments in theater, because I think we're asked constantly in theater to be like, all right, look, the whole point of this is like, we take theater classes to learn how to be adaptable because you have no idea what's coming and then you yeah. have to accept that new information and then process it and then immediately react within like, you know, half a second. Like you got to like move and make a choice and the decision and be okay with it. But when is that not okay anymore? I think initially what comes to mind is anything that compromises, um, one, the integrity of the story. And then two would be anything that you compromise it's really compromise ultimately, I would say, but anything that compromises what you have envisioned. Like if this is something that's completely out of place to the rest of what, you mm -hmm. know, like I say, a producer wants to drop a $15,000, you know, curtain or something. It's like, right. 30, $30,000, but something like that. Like if, if it's something that is taking away from the story and is taking away from the overall theme or vision or, or, I guess the project, like if, if we were, you know, say like right now we're building our set out of pallets, but you wanted to have like some steampunk car drive past at some right. point and be like, okay, I don't know about that. Like maybe we should think about why you want to do that. Yes. But what's interesting is, is that you can't just say, no, you have to like in our business, you have to convince the other person that's having this idea if they're in power. Yeah that it isn't a good idea and they also think it's not a good idea and they now understand the reasons why. Yeah. Instead of just being like, that's stupid. We're moving on. It's almost like you have to constantly protect other people's egos. Oh, yeah. And then, like, I, I and make them think that it's, even though they had the terrible idea, that it was also their idea to not do that terrible idea anymore. Yeah. It's... It's well, I think I try to do it on the flip side. I know you've heard me say it like, tell me why that's a good idea, convince me mm -hmm. because I'm not sold on it yet, right? Well, but that that is a kind of a different conversation in a way, um, which is the the like, okay, well, you want to make that choice, like, tell me why this is a viable choice mm -hmm. to make, 
And that makes sense because then there's more explanation to it and you have to justify it. Yeah. I just kind of wonder, you know, I, I know that as even as a director, you know, actors come up all the time and they're like, hey, I want to do this. And I always try to to lead from a place of being like, all right, we'll do it once. Like you get one time. But if it doesn't work, I'm moving on. Yeah. Mostly because I don't want to just like I really, truly feel like directing is. And this is what I, I told the cast the other day. Directing really is a collaboration between the director and the actor. The director's role is just there to to basically be an archaeologist to just mine through the text and give voice to the little hidden nuggets that they can possibly find and offer that up as possible suggestions and help to the actor in the moment. Yeah. Apart from, of course, like the concept and the overall vision of the show and making sure that the things that are done fit within that world. But I mean, that's really what it is. The actor kind of has to meet halfway, which I think some people don't really understand that relationship, which I think is why a lot of people, uh, when they work with me the first time, they're like, oh my God, like that was, that was a lot. <laughs> He's expecting so much. That was a lot coming yeah. at me. Um, but it's it's more like I want you to be a part of this process so that you can own the ideas that that are involved in this show. Mm -hmm. But there are so many times where, you know, things come up and you're like, I if I if I make this choice or I allow this to happen, then it's compromising my vision of it. Mm -hmm. And how do I how do I navigate that and not hurt anybody's feelings or or, you know, piss anyone off or any of those things, you know, and it, that it's just that that's always hard for me because I want I want to be like the people pleaser person because I feel like that's what I've been taught throughout all of my education and professional career and everything. It was always like when something happens, you say yes and you go with it. And so, like, how do you, I guess, conquer that that feeling of being like, I'm not being a jerk by saying no, we should we shouldn't do this because it just doesn't fit. Yeah, it's it's definitely well something like that for sure with the concept. But it's also say for instance, if we had to move venues again, right? Then it would be okay. No, we've we've already like changed exactly what we're doing. Yeah, and I, what we we're doing. Do yeah, it, it, it we're beyond that point, and this is now a boundary for my, me. My I can't soul would allow. Die. Yeah, it's like I can't <laughs> allow that to happen because we've compromised. On this one thing already, yeah. we can't do it again. It is, yeah, I, that that I understand. Especially, I think because through this process, I've learned a little bit. Of, I mean, I'm always learning something about myself in a way, but not so much in the rehearsal room, but in the production side of this, and like actually producing it, and how you have to kind of approach the world. Because in this particular situation, you know, we're having to deal with not just our theater company we're having to deal with a venue yeah where we're doing the show that doesn't belong to us that we are renting but it also like the particulars of these the the <laughs> the people that are renting it to us it's it's not designed in any way to be helpful to the renter yeah <laughs> and to, to the, the artist to the artist it's not it's not designed in any way to be helpful to them and there's no like meet me in the middle situation going on there. And so it's very much like if you're just not a massive pain in the butt, then you're not going to get what you want. Mm -hmm. And I don't like being that person because I, I genuinely think that most people 
will see whenever you're doing something for the right reasons or whenever you're doing something that you know you you feel passionately about and that is very obviously not benefiting you in any sort of way like yeah. you're not you're not coming out ahead you're definitely not going to come out out ahead financially like you're doing this for the right reason that the other people that you're having to work with even outside your organization will see that and try to help and for the most part people do i mean we have so many people in our community that reach out and help and do what they can to make sure that we can do these things. And so I guess maybe that's why through the process of, of, you know, these theater venues that we've been bouncing around in throughout this whole, like, you know, way over a year process and how little help they have been, uh, especially considering that their mission statement is to support your local well, artist. I have no, I have no problem saying it because I have no skin in the game. But it's the local arts council here in, in our town, Alexandria, or, right. or city, and it's so frustrating to me to sit back and to observe, like how you can have an arts council and and someone who is running it, and even the people on the board who are less than helpful yeah. in supporting the local artist, but are so worried about bringing other people from outside of this area yeah. to build that. And it's like, you're not building a community. You're not building a strong foundation with the artists that are here. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you're upsetting many or at least several of the, the people who are trying to work in this town, who are trying to like build something that is right. better something than special. what was existing before. And it can't it can't continue to go down this path because much like you and I have discussed, like, well, what's the possibility of potentially not working with yeah. the, that person or these people again? Well, if somebody makes something so difficult for you to do and you're having to like, you know, make extreme sacrifices on your end and they're making zero sacrifices on their end. And it's like, why am I why am I doing this? Yeah. Why what is the point? What is this benefiting? This is ridiculous. Like I, I, it, it just, I, it does make you want to, it, ma it makes you think, why do I continue to work with this person? It's just like being in an abusive relationship in a sense. Like, <laughs> yes. You know, I'm doing it is, this. That's what it is. It's an abuse of power. And I'm yeah. sorry. That's just exactly what it is. No, it's a hundred percent what it is. But you know, I find that a lot of times when people are in a position of power and they tend to abuse it, it comes from a place of insecurity. Oh, always. Yeah. And so I find that in this particular situation is just chock full of it. And I don't really understand like how to deal with that and yeah. this particular person um, because it, it doesn't really seem to matter what you say or what you do. Um, <laughs> the insecurity and, and just cowardice of it. It's the, it's that thing in Matilda. I'm big, you're little, I'm right, you're wrong. And there's yeah. nothing you can do about I'm it. I'm smart, you're dumb. Yeah. It's like, well, hold on a second. Mm. Are we not both artists together and we're trying to build something? What, what, what's the well, point of this? You know, I, th I think in, in, in communities like smaller communities where there are arts organizations, like it's very easy to get burnt out and, and just burned in, yeah. in general to the point that you just don't really care anymore. And I genuinely think that that is what this situation is. Mm -hmm. Like I've tried, I tried for so long to make something happen. It didn't. And now I'm the, the old guy on the top of the mountain sitting there with my, I don't know, and my shepherd outfit. Well, let's go with uh, like the second <laughs> lions. The, they're, they're sitting on the porch with their yeah, shotguns. Exactly. And so they're sitting there and they're just like, uh, I'm not like, you're going to go do that. <laughs> 
that's stupid. You'll learn. Like you're you're coming from it from this negative place of being like, oh, you're gonna try to like I had somebody tell me, oh, you're gonna create something new. You're gonna try to get people in this community to come out and support something that doesn't already exist. Good luck. That that drive in you is gonna die real fast. Because people aren't going to do that. But if everybody has that attitude, then it's just a ghost town and it dies. Well, exactly. And so it's like, I you can't you can't just sit in misery and yes. not create things. You can't try to not change something for the better. That just doesn't make any sense to me. So it's like, so you would rather just stay home all the time and like there be nothing. To, like I, I just or don't drive two it. hours to go. It's also like, hey, so something. since you have that feeling. Um, how about you like go to the other side of it and now you become a supporter as opposed to yeah. just like, Ugh, I'm just going to go home and drink a beer and go to bed. Like I, <laughs> which I'm, I don't know if that's what's going on with this but, particular yeah. person, but I, I just could not believe the extreme negativity in the face of somebody who clearly like I've been very excited for our company from the very beginning and the things that we can do and you know, for basically to, I feel like it's like stepping on a puppy. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> like, it's super cool. It's excited. It's learning all these new things. And you're like, nah, I'm just going to step on this. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand. But I am excited, you know, that there are people that work at that theater. Um, in particular, like Kendall and Kate, who work at that theater, that are super helpful, and they they really try to make things happen. Yeah, and that is that is really you know it, 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 at least there's that at least there's that. Well, that's that's what like that's what's so awesome about especially those two is that they're so passionate still about it even after yeah. all these years. And it's like someone that is a teacher doesn't you know when they're burned out they typically walk away from it. I mean it's mm-hmm. not because they love the passion of teaching kids and seeing a change yeah, they bring about else people. Brings you down. Exactly. And I just don't understand why you want to just sit on that porch or stay right. up on that mountain. For what purpose does it gain mm-hmm. other than <laughs> it's a paycheck? Right. Uh, Lord knows. But we're moving forward and it's going to be awesome. Yes. And uh, hopefully it won't be our last um i don't think i've ever felt as much stress around a show and i don't know if it's just in particular i think it is just because this is what it's like doing theater at this moment yeah and trying to make things happen i mean throughout this process i've thought many times what else could i do in general and just be okay bring up going into real estate just so many things i mean just you know like what is it like to just you know like, why am I doing it? Like, I've thought that yeah. like, if I can't answer the question as to why I'm doing this anymore, then I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, and th- and I think that's just because for me, I, I have zero skin in the game as far as like, I'm not doing this because I want people to see me do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that so many people, or at least that I see, you know, around town or in, in other towns, they, they have theater companies are these things because they crave that attention yeah like you know they're the in the lobby first the show ends they're in the lobby first they're still <laughs> yes. in costume and they're just like standing there looking around hoping that somebody comes up and and tells them how awesome they are because they're just you know that whenever you crave empty compliments you do empty work i guess i, I don't really know well here's the thing for me it's like 
sure, I've gone to the lobby and, and people come and tell me, you know, various degrees of good job, right? But 10 minutes after I leave that building, it's silence. Yeah, there's no more. So I'm I'm living for fifteen minutes of fifteen minutes of gratitude. Yeah, but I can't live and die by that. Right, it's just never going to be enough in life. Mm-hmm. And I have to be okay with tell like I wanted to tell a good story, and did I fulfill that goal tonight? Yeah, on the I stage? think that that's the healthiest way to go about it. I mean, if you're if you're in it for the accolades, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Because when you get home, that stops. And I've felt that a lot of my career yeah of of like man this was really awesome those are some extreme extreme peaks and valleys yes and when you get home and and you're sitting in the silence and you know there's no one there it that is hard yeah that is very very hard so i think that you have to feel fulfilled in your storytelling i think that you have to be like man we did this show and we did it like we told this story like no one's ever told it and we just we really did a good job like yeah. that is where you find the the joy and the comfort not in the man that was awesome you did such a great job thanks <laughs> yeah the uh the the crazy thing is like we've talked about this before in small towns you know people want to do the shows that are going to sell kind of like you were talking about earlier but they want to do the same stories that we've seen a hundred times, times yeah. from everybody else. And it's it's a little disheartening for me personally to watch people who say they want to do this and say they're passionate about it, but you know, chase down those same highs, yeah, those same popular roles and things like that. And maybe I'm just kind of feeling this way, and I can sense that maybe you are too a little bit that because it, right now it's like this this explosion of shows are coming out. Yeah. And everybody wants to hurry up because, you know, the floodgates have now broken and maybe that's a little out of color for the mm-hmm. hurricane coming. But it's like these things are happening all at once and everybody wants to be in like the show that's going to be seen, it seems like. I think that people generally just aren't. I mean, and I, I think this is what's hard for me to understand is that I just I feel and I think differently about theater than what other people do. And maybe it's not necessarily that they are wrong. I just want them to feel about it the way that I feel about it. (laughs) Yes. And it's disheartening when it's like, man, I'm putting so much work into trying to create something that's, you know, not just like this fluffy thing that, you know, doesn't necessarily have any meaning, but people are just on stage screaming notes as loud as they can for as long as they can. Yeah. And And then we're done and like, look at these insane costumes and like, oh, I did this set and I ran a fog machine for three hours. And like, I just, (laughs) I don't, yeah, I just don't like, I I just don't like, I, I, I don't want people to feel that way about theater where they're like, I wasn't that so much fun. We did. That was so crazy that all the. I'm like, no, I want you to feel that way about the story. Like we need to be thinking we're storytellers. That's what we are. Yeah. I think that's that's the difference, and and you saying that just kind of reminds me, like, what makes a good story and what makes it just kind of like a popcorn story, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the things that you remember are the ones that impacted you in some way, shape, or form. Like, yeah. if, like I could watch Jurassic Park 2 all I want, but it is never going to be as good as Jurassic Park 1. 
Right. It's never going to be that good. And it's never going to resonate in the same way and because it's neither of them will be as good as Jurassic Park, the musical. It's a dinosaur. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It should be life finds a way. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, rights reserve me. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. It's just one of those things. It's like, I want to tell something that is going to stick with like, man, we, we saw all kinds of shows this year, but oh, dude, that, you know, Mockingbird stuck with me. That was really good. Yeah. But you know, what's sad is that, you know, as a, from a business standpoint, if you're a good business person, you do the things that people are going to show up for. Yeah. And you look at the possibility of us doing this show. That's a great show with a great message that hasn't been done in this area for over 30 years. And, you know, people haven't seen it and it's reintroducing this work to our community and to people who have never gotten the chance to see it. And yet they won't show up for it because it was never a Disney movie. And so you're like, okay, so I'm pouring money into it, but my audience is telling me no. Yeah. So who, what am I? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like from a business standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. I see that. Yeah. And so it's more or less like, okay, do you have the fortitude to hang in there to do what they call training your audience to show up for things like that? Where, I mean, like, can, can you, can your soul survive the first couple of shows you do like this, that the audiences don't really show up for it because they don't know to show up for it yet. Yeah. And then have those people that do come, talk about it to everybody else so that then eventually whenever you start doing these things, more people show up because more people have seen it and talked to each other and and like, but can you survive the five year process of that? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. It is a little tough. Yeah. I I see exactly what you're saying. And so it's, and that's hard too. Maybe that's why you're right about the burnout. You just want people, exactly. You want people to show up for these things, but you can't look at it from a place of superiority. I'm not saying that we're doing it. No, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry if that came across that way. No, it's not. I just, I just wanted to say it. Like, I don't want it to come from a place of superiority. Some people just want to go see a show because it's fun and they want to leave because they don't want to have to think about it. Yeah. I want people to show up to the show and then, you know, leave and sit in their car and cry. (laughs) (laughs) Just like I'm doing. Because they, it's it's sticking with them and they're thinking about it and they're changing in some sort of way. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's in our mission statement that you leave the theater changed from whenever you came. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, you're laughing or you're crying. I want people to have an actual genuine emotion. I don't want it. I I don't want it just to be basic or just like, uh, what was great. Let's go get some pizza. Like I just, I want people to think about it and to talk about it and for it to spark conversations. And, and I just can't, I can't do the other thing. I mean, even when we did Greater Tuna, it's a two-person show that has its own little gimmick. But it is a satire with a bigger message. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, look at these guys changing costumes in less than 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. It has a reason, you know, and there are things to think about. The, you know, there are people like this that actually exist and still and used to exist and still exist today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I you said something earlier, and I do want to ask you this um, about, you know, what is the reason I'm doing this? Do you think that, one, I don't think that you could ever fully walk away, but if if you had to, say, shut the doors on Play On, do you think that you could go be an actor for other companies here in town? Like, just an actor. Mm. 
It would be it that would be very hard. I mean, uh, I guess it would depend on how that went down. Where I I didn't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I feel like if I wasn't doing, like I I it would be very difficult for me to just not perform in any sort of way. Yeah, it would. Like I, of course, have been in shows many times where I've had ideas about the way things are supposed to go or how they're disorganized and it drives me crazy or, you know, whatever. And I wish that I could just do my own thing, which is the one of the better things about having your own company is you're yes. like, we can do this the way that makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, And it would be hard to go back the other way. But I mean, of course, I've acted for people where I've had to allow their choices to trump the things that i wanted to actually do it would just be very difficult i think that it would depend like it always the the question would always be who's directing it who's in the show and what is the show and if those things all line up with something that i would really want to do and the people i'd want to be around then yeah I guess okay. there are a lot of like specific yeah well there's a lot of variables there i just i didn't because i think now in the technically three years but really i guess two yeah minus that one it would be pandemic hard. year um that you've really been sort of making most if not all the decisions you know yeah. on the creative side anyway um if that would be something that you could relinquish control well, there would be parts of it that would be nice to just be like oh man i've just got to worry about this one thing like yeah. that is great um but also it would be very I could see that it would be very frustrating because there's just, you know, with anything that you really love or you're passionate about, you're going to sit there and watch things happen and be like, I have to change this. It could be like, <laughs> yeah, like it's so close to being one way. And why can't we just, you know, I, I don't I don't know. That would be difficult. It would be a, that would be a hard pill to swallow. You know, it is the other thing because we're doing in To Kill a Mockingbird like I'm directing and your assistant directing. And I'm I'm kind of curious what it's like for you, like traversing that terrain as far as you're like a director, <laughs> but you're not the director. You know, there's like a difference there of being like, all right, so the assistant director is there in a way to support the vision and also to, you know, still have their own ideas. Yeah. But there's like a weird balancing act because I've been in that role before as well. And there's it's it's just a very strange balancing act. So I'm just kind of wondering how that like, is it driving you crazy that you're like, oh, I wish that I could change this? No, 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 no. I think you and I have enough of the same sensibilities. And I yeah. think that it's we've had a lot of conversations about the vision and what, you know, we wanted to accomplish as far as uh, the look, the feel, and the sort of the temperature of the show, if we will. Mm -hmm. And we've had so many conversations about that that I think that it aligns. Like for me, the big thing is I don't ever want it to be a situation where you step over bounds. And see, being yeah, it's a easy, hard thing to do. Yeah, it's easier for me because I am a boss at my day job, mm -hmm. and I understand what it's like to have to delegate to say that. I can't see everything, I can't do everything, and it is very hard for a control freak like right. me, and I'm sure it's the same for you. So it's really more about just understanding, like, I'm there to support, and when you can't see something, I'll write it down on this piece of paper, these are the notes that I saw, if you mm -hmm. want to deliver them, 
that's okay, or if you want to say something later. And then you always encourage me, hey, yeah, just go ahead and say and, and deliver them. And I'm not so much about the stopping it in the moment, because I definitely think that that's your territory, not my territory. Um, but like, hey, look, you missed something here that could be yeah. better. Well, I and think just think that about that maybe next time. That you can't, like, as, as a director or, you know, really anything, you have to trust the people that you have put into the positions yes. to, to do the right thing, or else why did you put them in that position? And so it, it's the same thing with the actor. Like, I, I never want to give the actor exactly what to do. I want to trust them to find it along the way with me, yeah. you know? Um, and you've even said that, like, uh, there, there's a specific moment where uh, someone is having to do something physical and it looks mechanical, and then mm -hmm. you were just like, hey, look, if this doesn't feel natural to you, then don't do it. Do not do it. Yeah. It's the same thing, like, with accents, where you ask people to do an accent. I would, there's nothing worse. I mean, there are so many things that are worse. <laughs> I shouldn't say nothing. But one of the things that just is so distracting to me is when you go see a show and somebody has a a bad dialect mm. and you're like <laughs> the only thing that you can concentrate on then is just being like I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> like cuz it ruins the whole thing. It makes it not believable anymore. All of a sudden then you're watching an actor struggling to do an accent that they can't really do but yeah. they and then you're just taken out of it. And uh so I would much rather somebody, even if it was a show where it was like a dialect has to happen for them just to be like, no, I'm just going to. Yeah. Make it a different choice. I'm just going to make a different choice. Yeah. And just say it in my own voice. And then people can act like I have a Scottish accent or a British accent or a. It's funny that you said Scottish because it was. Scottish I was thinking the same so thing. Yeah. It's so difficult. It's so hard. It's also so close to Irish. It's just a different placement. The hardest dialect that I've ever had to do was Welsh. Ooh. And that was murderous. Yeah, that's that's more of a like a floaty yet specific. Well, Welsh is like it is a little like Northern Ireland and then it's also like British. Yeah. <laughs> so it just has this weird this amalgamation like of, of, a, the, of the accent. things and it's just very difficult, but I was in a production of Henry V where I was playing Flulellen, and um, he's Welsh, and so and he has like a like whole lines that are written, like his lines are so crazy written. Some of them, um, like the poise and the luggage instead of the boys, but the poise. Uh, but anyway, so I I did this show, and I remember thinking like I don't think that I'm nailing the Welsh dialect. But I'm doing a, a, a halfway decent, almost British dialect with a slight Irish lilt. <laughs> <laughs> and after the, sh but I had this comfort of being like, you know what? Nobody is going, it's not like there's going to be some Welsh dudes here watching the show. And like everybody pretty much is going to watch this and they're going to be like, oh, it's fine, whatever, whoever, that, wherever that guy's from. Uh, we did the show and we're like, Afterwards, we were having a drink, and the this guy walks up to us at the pub, and he's like, "From Wales," and he's like, gotcha. "Hey, that was real close." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yes, yeah." I said, "I tried real hard." He's like, "I could tell you were trying really hard." And I was like, "I, 
afterwards I, I like laughed in this conversation and then I like replayed it in my mind, my anxious brain. And I just kept hearing that you were trying really hard and it just kept going over and over again. It's like he he was completely taken out of the show. He wasn't able to experience it or yeah. watch the show or hear anything that I was actually saying or experiencing because all he was seeing was me putting forth effort to do an accent, mm. which was painful. That was a painful yep. realization. And I don't want anybody else to ever go through that. Um, but that is just one of those little hurdles. And I'm like, if you just can't, just don't. If like you have a physical thing that you really want your actors to do and they just cannot and they have tried and they've tried and they can't make it their own, don't do it. Because yeah. if it's not natural for them, it's not natural for the character and it's going to be strange. Your audience is going to be taken out of the world. Why do you spend so long trying to get your audience to feel like they're genuinely watching something that exists in some other plane mm -hmm. and that they're a part of it. And then within two seconds, you completely destroy that. And all of your hard work is destroyed. And then you have to constantly build up the blocks again. And so I just, I think if you're going to put that much effort into the creation of it, then you should also be like, eh, I'm going to let this go. <laughs> yeah. So that for the better of the show, for the betterment of the show, I'm going to let it go, even though it's cool or it's a neat idea. Like, no, you don't need to do it. But it is interesting. I, I was just kind of curious, and I don't think I'd actually asked you about how it's felt to be on the assistant director side of it. It's, you know, again, it's it's actually been a lot of fun in in have, seeing having the agency to say this isn't working and mm -hmm. can we try something different. Because you haven't necessarily been on the side where when you see something and you have an idea of another way for it to go, mm -hmm. it's almost like you have to train your your brain to to think differently. Because you're also well, as an actor, like I'm also actor. thinking I would make a different choice, right? <laughs> and now I have the opportunity to say, "Can you try this? Can you do this in this way?" Well, but it, it like when you're an actor first and a director second, which I think the best directors I've ever had have been performers first. But when you're an actor first and then a director, it's it's almost like you, you think, okay, this would be my decision. Mm -hmm. But you also have to think like all the other possible decisions. Yeah. And which one actually wins out. I think that was a hard thing for me of, of realizing, you know what? Some things are great for me. Like I know like our poor, our, our kid that's playing Dill is just so, so funny and he's doing such an amazing job and it's hard for me and I haven't totally succeeded in this, not to give him every single thing that I think of that I would do. Yeah. Because that would be like my dream. Yeah, to, to play, play Dill. Dill. Or Miss Stephanie. <laughs> or Miss Stephanie. But, uh, but it, so like with all of his stuff, I just think of all these things constantly and I realize that, you know what? These are my dissociations. These are my dissociations. What in the world? <laughs> these are you my dissociations. <laughs> <laughs> These are my decisions and not necessarily his choices is yeah. what was going through my brain. Dissociations. I'm going to coin that phrase yeah. now. It's going to be in the code Check it dictionary. in Urban Dictionary. Yeah. Dissociations. Um, so anyway, so even though I would have made it for me, it wouldn't have been, been natural for him. So it's more or less like trying to figure out, you know, doing that ar ar archaeologist game. Yeah. Like how can I put something to marry the two. How can this be something that would feel natural for him that he would think of and that also kind of is this 
thing for me that something needs to happen Yeah, in this moment. It may not necessarily be the thing that I thought of, but something does need to happen. So. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Did I just like no. go insane on that one little thing for too long? <laughs> no. But no, it, it is about that, you know, helping people find every possible decision that's right mm-hmm. for them, for their character and things. Right. I, I, I think, um, so we might, we might release or we are, are we just going to say it so that we'll do it? Um, that we are going to release a, another episode sooner. Yes. We'll because, say it and then we'll um, put it in the universe. There's no way I feel like we can't have one ready for the release. That's of what I the think. show. Like we're opening the show, then let's, and it's on a Thursday. Yeah. Might as well. Might as well. So we're going to, so this is, this is airing a week before. Yes. So when you guys are listening to this, Chris and I are going to be a little ball of anxious <laughs> monsters. Yes. But we're gonna um, we're gonna release an episode on the opening day of To Kill a Mockingbird um, because we have been talking about this show quite literally the entirety of our podcast life, um, and also this podcast is coming out a week after. Let's see, the anniversary of our first release was what a couple of days. Yeah, it was last Thursday, which is insane, insane. to me. Insane. So we have now been podcasting for over a year and we beat the other scene partners we that's that's all that matters what matters (laughs) that's all that matters (laughs) we win you lose it's our name now and i don't even care um so yeah so we've been doing this for a year and it feels like so many things have changed and yet we're still in the middle of a pandemic (laughs) (laughs) yes yes so many things have changed and yet so many things are still the same um but so we're going to release an episode on the on opening day that is probably going to be just about to kill a mockingbird. So if you're really interested in that, I don't know how long it'll be. Maybe it'll just be a 30 minute. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be very long, I think. Just a brief. Yeah. We'll just be talking about excitement. it. Excitement. Excitement. Ex, an, ex, an, ex, an excite cast? An excitement cast. A podment. <laughs> yep. You're smelling toast. We're going to have to get out of here, man. <laughs> Well, hopefully I actually like talked about anything that made any sort of sense because I feel a little crazy in my brain. Yeah. But I do think that it is important that we're at least honest that, you know, this is a really hard job as far as putting something up and your emotions, I mean, everybody's a human being, so Yeah. you it's it's not all like roses and sunshine, you know, sometimes you just feel completely and utterly beaten down by the process. Yeah. And when you're doing anything that your whole heart is into, it's it's just it's hard. It's and when difficult. when you're going to do something and it requires so much of your free time, mm-hmm. you're you, you can't help but be emotionally invested in, in it yourself. regardless. Yeah. It's and like your time and who you are. I mean, you're pouring your literal heart into something and yeah. And it's a very vulnerable thing. Mm-hmm. And it's strange to to basically show people like hey this is this is how i think about things this is this is yeah. what was in my my mind <laughs> yeah. and my emotions and and really when you watch something that somebody has done like that that deals with these really extreme subject matters and the way that they've directed people to react you then start to kind of learn oh this is how you feel about the situation so it is it does feel like okay i'm now telling everybody my my feelings and opinions about things it's yeah. just it's it's a hard thing, but I, I hope, 
I hope that people get to see it. Not in all honesty, not because you know we now are in this massive six hundred seat theater that we're trying to like not go belly up on or anything like that. But <laughs> yeah. it's also because the excitement of being in a space that's bigger so that more people can safely watch our show and that we can have more people watch it. Yeah. Is really exciting. And I hope that that happens. So I hope that we can get as many people to come see the show as possible. Cause Lord knows we're trying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The whole marketing push. <laughs> yeah. That, that was it. That was it. So, um, I guess I, uh, that's it. That's it. You're done. Yeah. Well, am I done too? Are you? Yeah. I just want to leave with everyone. Be kind to one another. Yeah. Okay. That, that was, was Cody. And that is Christoph Agaporic. Brevity, for not the, your strong suit. For- <laughs>